Well, hey, we are um, in week two of a series that we're calling a design, and we're talking about this heavenly concept. And really, the theme of this series is that your life is designed, created in heaven, and God has a plan and purpose for your life. And that the whole, your whole existence is intentional, and there's purpose packed into your life. And even, we're not talking about one day purpose in God. That's not the point of this series, and I've never tried to be that kind of pastor that says, like, hey, young person, in a couple years, God will do something with your life. I'm the kind of person that says God wants to do something with your life right now, that we don't have to wait till tomorrow. We don't have to wait for more experience. We don't have to wait till we have everything together, that right now, if we press all into Jesus and he pours himself into us, we will experience the fullness of life that God has for us and through us. And so the book of Colossians, where we're sort of camping out in this series, is breaking down for us this design for your life built in heaven, established before the foundations of the world for us to walk in and experience. And so this book is jam-packed with stuff like that. Now, last week, we kicked it off by talking about the will of God for our lives, the will of God for our lives. We talked about his general will, and we talked about his specific will. And that in order for us to unpack God's specific will for our lives, we must be living in his general will for our lives. In other words, that in order for us to experience the reason you, as an individual and as a person, exist, right? Because God has given something in each and every one of you that this is why you're here. And in order for us to unpack exactly what that is, that we must be walking in the general plan that God has for our life. And that means follower of Jesus, Christian, this is what life is supposed to look like. And as we walk with him and as we go, we uncover his plan specifically for our life. Now, this text um, will continue, will, will be in Colossians 1, and it'll explain to us that in order to be who God wants us to be, we need to understand who he is. In order for us to be who God wants us to be specifically, we need to understand who he is. And when we have Jesus in the proper place in our lives, we can truly begin to live. I've titled this message, if you want to write this down, or it's in your events tab under the Bible app, I'm calling it Representing Christ. Representing Christ. All right, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Are you guys there? No. Anybody there? No. Oh, a couple of you guys. Shout out. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 15. It'll also be on the screen if you don't want to get it out. But if you want to follow along, you totally can. Colossians 1 verse 15. You guys good? Okay. You're with me? It's funny because, like, I don't know what I want. And so excuse me, like, because you guys are, like, real quiet tonight. But that's good. Like, you're listening, I think. But, like, sometimes, like, there's lots of talking. And that doesn't mean you're listening. That means you're not listening. But I don't know what I want from you guys. I don't know if I like the silence. I don't even know if I like the talking. So let's go with silence for now. Does that seem good? Okay. And then if I say, like, are you with me? You can be like, yeah. And we'll get all amped together. All right. Colossians 1, verse 15. He says this. He, who do you think he's talking about? Come on. Sunday school answer. Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where there are thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That's a key verse to understand. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pause there. The first thought that the author is uh, presenting to us tonight is that Jesus is perfectly God in every way. Point number one, Jesus is perfectly God in every way. Now, you need to understand, especially living in 2021, going for many of you public school, having friends that maybe don't believe the same thing as you, you need to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is more than just a good person who taught us things and performed miracles, okay? So many people want to just say like, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus lived and was a human being. And they think that Jesus was a good person that had good teachings. And somehow, we don't really understand this part, so we just kind of leave it out. He performed some type of miracle. And so people want to categorize Jesus as simply like, he was a good guy. Like, he was a good guy. Gandhi's a good guy. Mother Teresa was a good gal. Like, he's a good guy. But we need to understand that Jesus is not just a good person. Also, listen to me, he is not an angel sent from heaven to do a job. Okay, so some people will make you think that Jesus is like, he was just a person and he was a good person. Like, in fact, I will give it to him. He was a great person. Like, he was nice, he, like, taught us, like, to turn the other cheek, and he talked about, like, to love everybody, and he taught us the golden rule, and, like, he was a good guy, like, we give that to him. But on the other end, people will say, like, okay, well, Jesus wasn't actually God, or he wasn't just a person, but, in fact, he was just an angel that was sent by God, and he, like, did this work, and he did his thing, yada, 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 and then he disappeared. What the author is presenting to us and what the early church believed, what the Bible teaches, and what we need to understand is that Jesus is God in flesh. That Jesus is God in flesh with human skin on. Jesus said this, if you have seen me, then you've seen the Father who sent me. In other words, he was a, not just a representative of God, but he was God himself, okay? So we need to understand that when we're talking about Jesus and we sing about Jesus and we make it all about Jesus, we're believing and we're recognizing that Jesus is, in fact, God in flesh. He is not a God. He is the God, okay? Jesus is God in every way, and he perfectly represents God because he is God. And now the author in this text tells us a few ways that he represents God. Number one, he says that he represents him in character. That God, that Jesus represents or presents to us God's character. The word he says there in verse 15, he says that he is the image of the invisible God. That word in the original language is the word icon. 
And this idea is not like a photo image, but like a mirror image. Because you know, like some of you guys know, because you have like Snapchat filters and you have like Photoshop, that you can tweak a photo, can't you? Like you could take a photo and then make it look nothing like you. Like you, you have so many filters and like stuff going on up here. We're like, who even is that person anymore? Like I've seen that person. That ain't that person. You know what I mean? Because we, 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 we can distort an image. A mirror, how many of you know a mirror never lies? Right? You look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, that's you. Like it's not getting any better. That's, just, that's who you are. The photo, it's like, ah, hold on, give me a minute. I can make myself look better than that. Like, hold on, we're like, waist, shoulders broad, like for the dudes, shoulders broad, six-pack abs, like, where do those come from? Like, there's an app for that. Six-pack abs, like, we are shredded, we're looking swole, we're tan, like, everything is good. But in real life, a mirror, a mirror, it's like, nope, that ain't a six-pack, bro. Like, that, that just is what it is. And so a mirror doesn't lie, right? A mirror is a perfect representation of who you are. And so when the author says Jesus is the image of the invisible God, he's saying like a mirror. He is God reflecting for us. We are seeing God in the flesh. If you look at Jesus, you see God. The second thing he says, he says he is the firstborn over all creation, now, the idea of firstborn, you need to understand this. This is not, uh, the word first is not uh, first in order, but first in priority or authority. Okay, so when he says he's the firstborn of all creation, he's not saying that God existed and then Jesus was the firstborn of his creation. Not what he's saying, okay? That's heresy, that, that's saying that Jesus is not God, but he was an actually created being by God, which is not true. Jesus is God. So when it's saying he is the firstborn over all creation, it means he is the head over all creation. He's first in authority, not first numerically. You following me? Like he's not saying like one Jesus, two. It's like, it's not like Jesus is first. Like Jesus is like number one. Like he, like not number one and like, First, you track it with me, but like number one, like we use it like in sports, like they are number one. They are the best. They are over it all. So Jesus is the firstborn. He was not born or created. He is number one. So he represents his character and the fact that he is from the beginning. And then thirdly, he represents his character in his behavior. Jump down into verse 19. It says this, for in him, that is Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In other words, Jesus was fully God, and the way he behaved and the way he lived and how he interacted fully pleased God in who he is. That the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ because of the way he lived fully pleased God. You tracking with me? And so we need to understand that everything that Jesus does is fully pleasing to the heart, desire, character, and intentions of God. Jesus is perfectly God in his character. But Jesus is also perfectly God in his control. So his character, who he is, is perfectly God in every way, but also in his control or his authority is perfectly God in every way. He tells us a few ways. Number one is through how uh, he created all things. 
right? Verse 16 says that Jesus, in him, all things were created. Um, Let's look at verse 16. I want to read it word for word. It says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So Jesus is God because he created all things. I love the idea of God creating all things because it speaks to the fact that God is a creative God. I think we see that just in the diversity of human beings, right? Like God is creative in the sense of we all are different. We're all unique. We all look different. We have different interests. We behave differently. We have different hair. We have different color skin. We have different color eyes. We have different backgrounds. All of these things speak to the creativity of God. And sometimes we try to lock God into a box like he's just some robot that does these things. But God is creative and each person he designed uniquely. He created and he's thought about everything. He designed everything and he put it into existence. And the craziest thing about God is he created all things from nothing, right? God had no, no like reference point of like, okay, let's, what, what, what are the older human beings look like? Okay, I remember that. Okay, but how do we, how do we make it a little better, right? God, all things from nothing. He spoke and there it was. Light from darkness before there ever was. Earth, when it was just void and empty. Everything, God spoke, he's creative, and he put all things into motion. But then also he tells us, not only did Jesus create all things, but he maintains all things. He holds all things together. Life and existence was not set and leave, right? God didn't just say like, okay, spins the world on its axis, and it's like, all right, good luck out there. And now he's preoccupied with other things. The, the, the words we just read says that he, he maintains all things. All things, by him, all things, uh, uh, what's the word? I lost it. I'm going to look at, consist, is that the word? You guys aren't helping me at all. Verse 17, it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Thank you for your help. All things hold together, right? He, in other words, he, it's, it's almost as if the, the word picture throughout the, the Bible is like God has got things like this. Like, like the whole world and your life and not just our world, but like galaxies and the universe, which is like billions of galaxies, which is like, it's massive. I was going to talk about how big it is, but I deleted it from my notes on accident. And so we're not going to talk about that stuff because I have no idea. Anyways, God has all things held together and not just in the sense of like okay he holds the universe and he holds the the world and he holds all this stuff but your life he is maintaining there's this interesting idea in scripture and it's best shown to us in the book of Esther if you're looking for a book to read just like an interesting book in the bible read the book of Esther Esther is unique because God is never mentioned in the book but God is seen throughout the book did you guys just shush a phone How is that going to work? Shh, phone, be quiet. I don't think it listens to people like that. Um, you can shush the person that's airdropping. That's cool. But like shushing a phone doesn't work. Anyways, uh, Esther, right? So Esther is amazing because God is working behind the scenes. What this is called is divine providence. Have you guys ever heard this word? 
divine providence. It's meaning God is doing stuff. It's almost like he's, he, he's pulling the strings a little bit and making things happen. And the book of Esther shows this because these people are trying to kill the Jewish people and God raises up this woman named Esther to save the Jewish people. But all of it is God's providence. And God works the same way in your lives. He opens doors. He closes doors. He creates opportunity. He, 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 he saves you in certain settings and you didn't even know it. And God, divine providence woven throughout your life because he maintains all things. That is who Jesus is. The author wants us to understand that Jesus is perfectly God in every way. His character perfectly represents God. And he is in control of all things because he is God. And all things, he tells us, because of that, were created by him, right? And listen, this is the key for us. We're created for him. Okay, so all things. That means the earth. That means the galaxies. That means the government. That means people. That means all things were created by him. And then he says, and all things were created for him. That's sort of where we come in. Look at verse 21. It says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a Minister. Point number two is that we represent Jesus in every way. We represent Jesus in every way. Jesus, through his work on the cross, invited us into relationship with him. Paul says that we were once on the outside because of our sin, but Jesus, through the finished work on the cross, has invited us in. Right, the door was locked. We couldn't get in. We had no access to God. We had no way of getting forgiven. We had no way to clear our conscience. We had no way to not be guilty. And then Jesus comes in and unlocks the door and lets us in. That's what he says. He says, we were on the outside because of who we were, but Jesus provided a way for us to get in. But the only reason we've been brought in is because of our connection with Jesus. And because he is our access point, in other words, because he opened the door for us, because he's let us in, we now represent him in everything we do. Okay, so Jesus is like, all right, you can come in here, but just recognize now that you've come in, because he was the access point, you represent him. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, my, I was invited to go to this event called the Surf Expo. Now, the Surf Expo happens in Orlando every year, and basically what it is is all the top brands um, in the surf industry like rent this uh, convention center, and they display like the newest line of product. So like you have companies like Billabong and Volcom and Quicksilver and then different like surfboard brands like Channel Islands or JS or things like that. Um, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, so they come and they like display their newest line. So my grandpa invited me to go with them. Now, my grandpa was the former CFO of Hurley. So he, was a, he started the company with Bob Hurley and was the chief financial officer of the company Hurley. So if you've ever seen that company, which I'm sure you have, like that was my grandpa. So he invited me to go with him to the Surf Expo. The only thing was I didn't have a badge to get in, and you have to have a badge to get in. It's like a big deal. Like you don't have a badge, you don't get in. So we drive up there. It's in Orlando. It's an hour and a half drive. We get there, and I'm like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to get in. He's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. 
So we get there. He's like, stay right here. I'll get you in. So he walks down. He disappears for about 10 or 15 minutes. He comes back with a badge, and the badge literally is Bob Hurley's badge. Now, Bob Hurley is the founder and CEO of that brand, Hurley. And he's like, here, wear this. And I'm like, okay. So I put it on, and I'm now Bob Hurley. And I'm, like, walking into the place, and, like, people are like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not Bob Hurley. Like, we know Bob that's not Bob Hurley. And it's, like, it's a big ordeal. But I was thinking about this, and I, wearing that badge with Bob Hurley's name, standing next to the CFO of Hurley, like, I represent not just myself, not just my grandpa, but Hurley as a company. So everything, I, like, if I decided, like, I'm going to go crazy and steal a bunch of product, like, I am representing Hurley, and the family. You tracking with me? So everything I did because of the badge I was wearing represented them whether I did good things or whether I did bad things. And whether I acknowledged it or not, I represented them. You tracking with me? When you place faith in Jesus, when you've been invited into relationship with him, you now represent him. And so everything you do, you are a representative of Christ. Whether it's good things or bad things, you are representing Christ. And so when people look at your life, they should recognize that, hey, this person's a follower of Jesus. And if you've claimed to be a follower of Jesus, or you've put a verse in your bio on Instagram, or you've said, like, I go to church on Thursday nights, you need to recognize that you are a representative, not just yourself, not just the church here, but you are a representative of Christ. And so we then are called to live in such a way that presents Christ to the world in the way that he desires to be presented. So often, especially us as young people, we can misrepresent Christ. We can behave certain ways or we can say certain things or we can go certain places that does not represent the heart of God. And he says, you've been invited in, and the reason you were invited in is because Christ opened the door for you. So you need to understand that the life that you live, it doesn't just belong to you. You are now a representative of Christ. Whether you know it or not, you represent Jesus. And so he tells us the way to represent him well is by being consistent. He says, hey, you represent Christ whether you know it or not. Like, that's your passive Like, as you go, your passive is representing Christ. That's just who you are. And and so the way you do it well, he says, is be consistent. Notice he says, continue in faith. That is a constant word. He says, be stable, constant word. He says, be steadfast, constant word. He says, not shifting, constant word. These words describe consistency in our lives and in our actions. You were created by God, for God, and so now everything you do represents Jesus. And that's a reality. Everything you do, right? Everything you do represents Jesus. I'm not just saying the good things. I'm saying everything you do as a follower of Jesus is representing him. So the question is, is not if we're representing him. The question is, how are we representing him? Are we good representatives of Christ? Now, he transitions here, and he begins to talk about how he serves God, the Apostle Paul. But in this uh, section about him serving God, he's also going to show us that we don't just 
passively represent God. What I mean by that is like if you play video games or if you watch like superheroes, like superheroes have passive abilities, right? Like they just, it's just who they are. They can do these things and they don't even have to try. And then superheroes also have active abilities, right? Like I think, I was thinking about this, correct me if I'm wrong, but Superman, he can see through walls, can't he? And that's just kind of like one of the things he does. But then also, if you knew this, Superman shoots laser beams out of his eyeballs. Like all the time, Superman can just see through walls, but he has to like activate his ability to laser beam people. You, you, you following me? You're like, shut up about Superman. I'm No, I'm trying to like relate to the young folks. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you're like, get off the stage. Okay, so there's, there's passive things, and you passively, everything you do, you represent God. Whether you know it or not, passively, you are representing God. But then he also says, hey, there's also active things that you should be doing to represent God. Let's look at it real quick, and we'll close. Uh, and worship team, you guys can come up here because that's where we're at. All right, verse 24. He says, now I, Paul is speaking, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right, that's the passive. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. But then he says this, verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Not only do we represent Jesus in every way, but final point, we are to present Jesus in every way. Listen to verse 28 in the New Living Translation. I love the way it said. It says, so we tell others about Christ. We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. Listen, we have relationship with God because of who Jesus is and what he's done. When we're in relationship with him, we passively represent him. This is our default setting, but because we have relationship with him, we are to actively present Jesus to the people in our lives and in our world. He says, this is Christ. Christ is perfectly God in every way. He represents his character. He is in control. He is not only in control of the universe, but he's in control of your life. And all things were created by him and all things were created for him. That means you. And when you enter into relationship with God, because you were on the outside, but he opened the door and let you in. And now that you're on the inside, you represent him with everything that you do. And everywhere you go, you need to understand that the hope of glory is in you. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And everywhere you go, you represent Jesus, whether you're doing it right or whether you're doing it wrong, you're representing Christ. But then at the same time, when you're, in a, when you're aware of that, when somebody like me comes and shouts at you and says, hey, you represent Christ, and somebody says, like, hey, you need to understand that your life is not just about you, but you are representing Jesus everywhere you go. What that should do is turn a switch on in you to say, not only do I want to represent Christ, but I want to present Christ to people. Meaning, I want to bring it like a package, like a present. 
I want to bring the hope of glory that I've experienced, the goodness of God that I've found. I want to present that to people so that they can experience what I have in Jesus. And he says, he says, we tell, I love that he says, we tell others about Christ. What if that was the mantra of the things, of how we lived and the things that we're a part of here in the factory? What if we said, we tell others about Christ? It's not if, it's not when, it's we do it. We tell others about Christ. Why? Because we've experienced the goodness and the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the acceptance and the identity that's found in him. And so we present him in every opportunity that we can to show other people, hey, you can belong here. You can be loved here. You can be forgiven here. You can be accepted here. You, God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. And we don't just hoard that to ourselves. We present Christ in everything we do. Because, he says, we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship with Christ. Listen, Paul represents Christ to us, creator, controller, and sustainer of all things. We represent Christ in everything we do through our faithfulness and consistency. And our job then is to represent Christ to the people around us. Are you representing Christ? And are you representing Christ? Some people, I like, I like the idea of representing Christ because some people have had a bad experience with the idea of church or the idea of God. And so a follower of Jesus, especially you, and, 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 and I've been in youth ministry for a long time. I've been doing this for about 10 years. Your guys, this group of people specifically, but your generation sort of more generally, like I, I, I just think God's doing something with you guys. And I have a lot of like confidence not in you, but in what God can do through you. And when you surrender your life to him and you say, like, do you know what? I'm going to be something different. I believe that your generation can represent Christ to the world. When so much of the world has said, like, ah, oh, Jesus is weird. Christians are weirdos and wackos and angry and whatever. You guys have an opportunity then to represent him. Like, do you know what? Actually, Jesus is full of compassion. He's full of grace. He accepts you just as you are, but he loves you so much. He's not going to leave you there. He's going to change you, and he's going to grow you, and he's going to transform you into the person he desires for you to be. And you have the opportunity everywhere you go and in everything you do to represent Christ in a new way. Man, maybe there's a kid in your classroom that needs to be reintroduced to Jesus. Maybe they were introduced to him by like their grandma in like second grade and they went to the most miserable, angry church they'd ever been to. And they're like, my only experience was somebody slapping my hand and telling me to sit down and shut up. And maybe you'd be like, do you know, that is not the heart of God. I'm sorry you experienced that, but God actually loves you and he's exciting and he has fun and he's got a plan for your life. Maybe there's a person in your class that you need to represent Christ to. Maybe you live in a family that has a bad taste of Jesus in their mouth. Maybe because of their parents or their grandparents or a friend that they experienced or somebody that let them down. Or maybe they're a pastor disappointed them or something like that. And maybe you need to go back into your home and represent Christ to them. Hey, I don't know what the Jesus you met was, but let me tell you about the real Jesus. The one who holds all things, that created all things, that has a plan for your life. And you have the opportunity to just represent him. And you do that just by being a Christian but you have the opportunity to represent him and you do that actively by looking for opportunity and we tell people about Christ.